season ain't 10 games old yet and the Lakers are already in trouble. The Clippers are already in trouble. And oh, by the way, this controversy going on in college football and a very annoying issue taking place in the sport of boxing. What the hell am I talking about? I'll explain. Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday and Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. As always, I'm coming at you courtesy of my official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official sponsor for the Stephen A. Smith Show. As usual, I'm always taking a moment to thank you because my subscriber base continues to grow and grow and grow, approaching 377,000 in the first seven months. Really, really appreciate the love and support. Keep it coming. I'm going to keep on coming and reminding you that in less than two weeks or so, I'll be coming at you from my new studios. So I'll be doing this show from those studios, which you will see. Just make sure you look for it because it's coming. Make no mistake about it. And while I'm at it, let me also remind you, I got a bestseller out, New York Times bestseller. The title of the book is called Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. That's my life story, the whole bit. So I thank you for supporting me as you always do. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. There's a lot to get into today. And I appreciate y'all listening to the podcast that I posted yesterday um, because I got a little personal uh, because I thought it was important to highlight some of my personal challenges. Uh, for the betterment of the whole. There's a lot of y'all out there that aren't healthy, ain't taking care of yourself, not positioning yourself to be healthy. You know, you ain't exercising, you ain't eating right. You're not looking for the best ways to make yourself better. I just wanted to start off this podcast or this episode rather by reminding you there's a difference between being alive and living. And if you ain't living, I mean, damn, how much sense does it make to be alive? You got to live. You got to sit up there and do what you can to maximize your potential in any way that you possibly can. I'm not talking about job. I'm not talking about in pursuit of money. I'm just talking about being around everyday life, just walking around, feeling fresh air, making sure that you're doing what you do, what you can to take care of yourself to the best of your ability or at least to a good ability. So you're not sickly or anything like that. Just think about that. Think about that. I cover the world of professional athletics and one of the things that we inevitably have to get into. And what I love about sports is that there's winners and losers. You know, it ain't up in the air. You know, it's 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 not to each his own. You know, we're talking music. You like I like Beyonce. Somebody else likes Rihanna. Somebody else likes Taylor Swift. And and Lord knows who else. Jennifer Lopez, Shakira. The list goes on and on and on. All right. In sports, there's a champion. There's somebody who raises their hand, gets their hand hoisted above everybody else's when all is said and done. Why am I bringing that up? Because I'm telling you right now, this early in the season, damn it, they ain't going to be the Lakers. It's not going to be the Lakers. Okay. I'm looking at the Lakers on Wednesday night and I watched the Los Angeles Lakers thoroughly get their ass kicked. How the hell you lose by 34 points to the Houston Rockets? I'm going to say it again. How in the hell do you lose by 34 points to the Houston Rockets? I understand Ime Udoka is the coach. I understand things are moving in the forward direction. I understand Jalen Green it got star potential written all over him. I love the acquisition of Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet. I get it. I understand it. But my point is, how you lose by 34 points? 
If you're the Lakers, I'll tell you how. You do it by being the worst three-point shooting team in basketball, 29%. You do it by being one of the worst offenses in the National Basketball Association. Your offense ranks 22nd in league scoring. You do it because Anthony Davis, this early in the season, typical, he wasn't available, hip spasm, couldn't go, couldn't go. So because he couldn't go, what were the Lakers going to do? You would think you should be able to beat the Houston Rockets. And if you're going to lose, lose, you know, a nail biter. They're playing well. And all of a sudden they hit shots that they never hit before. And all right, I got it. But to get your ass kicked, that is a different matter altogether. Austin Reeves shooting 27% from three. D'Angelo Russell never around when it counts. Even though he could play, he's not a scrub. I'm just looking at them and I'm saying to myself, damn, where y'all going? What y'all going to do? What are you really, really going to accomplish? LeBron James is in his 21st season and nobody has the decency to be better than him. He is in NBA vernacular, an old man, a senior citizen, and he's still the best, not just the best player, but the best athlete and the most conditioned dude on the squad. How is that possible? How is that possible? But it is. It is. Lakers bench, supposedly fortified. Gabe Vincent's injured. Cam Reddish missing wide open threes near the end. When LeBron driving into the lane and feeding him against Miami and he can't close. Cam Reddish better be careful. He might not be in the league in the next year or so. He better be careful. He's running out of chances really, 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 really quick. And I'm just looking at it and I'm saying, damn. And 32 to 19, you're trailing at the end of the first quarters? Interesting stat here. The Lakers have been outscored by a staggering 32.6 points per 100 possessions in the first quarter this season. Come on, man. What y'all doing? What y'all doing? How is this possibly going to lead to any kind of winning? Ultimately, you're going to put yourself in a hole where you got to rely on Anthony Davis. I know that when he's healthy and he brings his A game, the brother's all world. The problem is how often does he do that? How often is he available to do that? That's the real question with Anthony Davis, and I think that's what we got to pay attention to right here. Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, by the way, did I forget to mention that they're winless on the road? They're 0-5. They're 0-5. They're 0-5 winless on the road with Anthony Davis and LeBron James as your cornerstones. It's not good. It's not good at all. You know what else? You know what I will say, though? They're not quite as bad as the Clippers. And I'm not talking about record. First of all, let's get something out of the way. We know Kawhi Leonard's going to miss games, right? We do know this. It's inevitable. I mean, he's injury prone. We know this. Okay? Paul George, you can expect him to miss games, even though we hope he avoids the nasty injuries that will knock him out for the season. Russell Westbrook will appear in games. We know this brother's a rough rider. He'll find a way. And now James Harden is there. And James Harden is there. And with James Harden on the court for the Los Angeles Clippers, the last two games, they are 0-2. They are 0-2. 
through two games, Harden's averaging 14 and a half points on 55% shooting from the field, 44% shooting from three-point range with five and a half assists, three and a half turnovers, and they're still winless with him. Still winless. Harden is averaging 21 minutes per game on the court with Kawhi PG and Russell Westbrook. By the way, did you know that PG, Russell Westbrook, and Harden, no trio on the same team has played more games and are devoid of a championship than those three. Did you know that? Well, I'm here to know. I'm here to let you know that. And the reason why I'm letting you know that is because I don't know how wise it was for them to bring James Harden to L.A. Yeah, you probably did it because you needed a safety net. You needed a security blanket in case Paul George or Kawhi Leonard inevitably get hurt because that's what they do. Let me get an additional dude on the squad that can blow up and score points in bunches. I got it. I understand the thinking. But did you ever think about this, Los Angeles Clippers? How potentially detrimental it is to Russell Westbrook if you had brought James Harden on the squad, which you did. You see, when you look at Russell Westbrook, this isn't the Russell Westbrook that was on the Lakers that could have hit the backside of a barn, that didn't even want to have his children and his wife in attendance for the games because he couldn't take the vitriol they were hearing about him from fans, which, by the way, I think is entirely reasonable. But since Russell Westbrook got to the Los Angeles Clippers, this brother has won games for them. He's won games in the playoffs for them. His brother's, his brother's real. Hall of Famer, no question. And then I look at the Los Angeles Clippers, and I'm saying, how is this going to work? Because regardless of the greatness, here's the problem. Westbrook needs the ball. Harden needs the ball. Neither of them are accustomed to being deferential, which you would have to be to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard, the worst superstar you could ever have on your squad. I told y'all that. Because he's hurt 50% of the time, number one. And number two, he does nothing to promote the game. Now, when he's healthy, he is legit. He is a superstar. He is big time. There is no doubt about that. This is not a referendum against his skills. Kawhi Leonard is an elite skilled player and a two-time champion and a two-time NBA Finals MVP. I know the resume, but here's what I do also know. He does nothing to promote the game other than play. And when he's playing, he's only available 50% of the time. I'm sorry. I don't think he's the greatest superstar to have. But Russell Westbrook ain't bad. So now that James Harden is there, what you going to do? Ty Lue and I'm trying to explore starting off for them. That shit ain't going to work. Don't even waste your time. It's not going to work. Egos are going to get in the way. It's just that simple. Egos are going to get in the way. Now talk about the game because James Harden's game, when he wants to be that quintessential point guard, to can adapt to any system. The issue in question is whether or not that's going to be something that he's willing to do. And if he's not willing to do it, will Russell Westbrook be willing to do it? I doubt it. So you Ty Lu. If I'm Ty Lu, I'm thinking this is my last year in L.A. It's hard to leave L.A. It's hard to leave the Southern California sunshine. It's hard. You know what ain't hard? Alleviating headaches from your life. Which the combination of Harden with the rest of these guys will do to a coach like Ty Lu. I don't know about the Clippers. 
I don't know about the Clippers. Let me transition to another subject, and this time it's involving college football because I've been taking a lot of heat. I've been taking a lot of heat from a lot of people in college football, particularly those at, at, at the University of Michigan, because they are not pleased with my stance. That with this whole sign-stealing scandal that's been going on with Michigan, with the University of Michigan refusing to do vi- virtually nothing about it, with the NCAA acting as if it's handcuffed and there's but so much it can do about it, the Big Ten itself, the commissioner, other Big Ten, and the folks associated with the Big Ten, since you've got other schools saying there's legitimacy, the assertions and allegations made against Michigan. People had a problem with my position and my position is very simple. If the investigation is open, Michigan should not be allowed to participate in the college football playoffs. Now people are going to sit up there and say, Stephen A, you don't know what the hell you talk about. Stephen A, that's cruel. How's it cruel? What about Florida State? What about Washington? What about Oregon? What about Texas? What about Alabama? See, we want to bring up the kids because Stevie ain't love the kids. We want to bring up the kids and how the kids at Michigan are not at fault here. That is totally fair. But you know what they all, but you know what they are? They're beneficiaries. Because if you've got a guy on an opposite sideline and he's sign stealing, okay, and those Stolen signs are brought to Michigan's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and head coach and Jim Harbaugh. And it's utilized for the players to exploit. That's an advantage. And if they have that kind of advantage and there's reports that they are, and it's to the point where neither Michigan denies it, nor does the Big Ten. What the hell is the problem? Trade and Jim Harbaugh ain't going to accomplish anything. So what? He doesn't coach. So what? At the end of the day, the football program benefited. And it could be at the expense of another team. Now, if it's wide open and it's the top 12 teams in the nation, okay, that's a different animal. But as of right now, there's only a final four. And I don't understand how it is an issue when you point out that You can't go into the playoffs with the investigation opened with no conclusion. No. Expedite the process to draw a conclusion before the selection committee picks the top four teams they want in the nation to go and represent college football in the college football playoffs. That's what you do. You do that. You don't suspend the coach and that's it. And it's like, oh, my goodness, about the kids, the kids, the kids. Well, the kids benefited from the cheating. And unless you can tell me Alabama, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas did the same damn thing. Shut up. I'm not trying to hear it. It is what it is. I don't understand the difficulty. I truly don't. I am not saying that you suspend Michigan today or prohibit them today from getting to the college football playoffs. What I am saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that you can't kick the can down the road and wait until months after the season is over or something like that to say we've concluded our investigation and we've discovered blah, blah, blah. No, you have to do that before 
The selection committee finds themselves having to decipher whether or not Michigan belongs in their final four. That's what you have to do. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're allowing them to go to the college football playoffs and you're allowing them to be a center of attention for all the wrong reasons where everybody in the media and beyond are questioning whether or not they cheated their way there. These are not, listen, the facts are incredibly incriminating, but we're, we're, none of us were flying a wall. We don't know how culpable Jim Harbaugh was or not. Here's what I do know. All of this started when there was rumors that Jim Harbaugh was going to get fired because he couldn't beat Ohio State and he couldn't get to the college football playoffs. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changed. The numbers speak for themselves. That is what happened with Jim Harbaugh. All of a sudden, you go from not going years where you can't sniff Ohio State, you can't beat them, to beating them, not once but twice in a row. Not only do you do that, you get to the college football playoffs. Hey, and this staffer that was stealing signs, buying tickets to games, going to games, you had nothing to do with it, huh? The brother was only making about 50000 a year. Flights are expensive. How you get there? How was he able to spend money? How was he able to funnel money to other people who would get information and intel for him? How was that able to happen on a $50,000 a year salary? Sure he wasn't slid anything? Sure, sure somebody didn't slide something to him through the back door? You sure? You sure? You sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Come on, y'all. I was born at night, not last night. Something's got to give. And if I'm one of these elite programs, I got to tell you something. We got a problem. If Michigan's in the postseason at my expense, we got to have a problem. This ain't college basketball. This ain't the NCAA tournament. We got 64, 68 teams up in there. All right, let's get it on. Nah, you're literally costing somebody a shot at the crown. If you pick Michigan. And I'm saying if you're going to pick Michigan, then at least have the decency to tell us we've done a thorough investigation and we've concluded that no wrongdoing occurred. Fine. Fine. But to have it open ended and to think that you just get to give the coach a slap on the wrist and that's it. Nah, shouldn't be that way. You are listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm getting ready to get into a little boxing when I get back. I'll explain why I'm so annoyed by this next subject in a minute. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, I wanted to get into my next subject because I'm pretty annoyed. Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, 
recently was in the Middle East and lost a match. I'm sorry, won a match, split decision against former MMA heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. A man of steel hits you and he's got the kind of power to paralyze you. Um, he dropped Tyson Fury in that fight. Although Tyson Fury got up, watered it off, and then after that, ended up outpointing him via a split decision. For some reason, this prompted words out of the mouth of Deontay Wilder, the former heavyweight champion of the world, who fought in a trilogy against Tyson Fury and lost the last two fights by knockout. Tyson Fury um, was talking about how Fury failed to impress during his crossover bout. Um, the Gypsy King, as Tyson Fury is called, was knocked to the floor by Ngano and only managed to win the fight by split decision. People are calling it an uncharacteristically poor performance by Tyson Fury because he got hit, he got hurt, and oh, by the way, he didn't look in the greatest shape in the world. Fair enough. But Deontay Wilder is missing something. You see, I was at the two fights. Not the first one. When I thought that Deontay Wilder put him to sleep in the 12th round and from miraculously Tyson Fury got up. I remember when they fought the second time and I was shocked at how not ready Deontay Wilder appeared. Uh, Tyson Fury clearly was the better boxer and mauled him and beat him up pretty good and came in there weighing about 42 pounds heavier than Deontay Wilder. And Deontay Wilder was determined to get a trilogy, so much so that he sued, got lawyers involved in all of this stuff, which annoyed the living hell out of Tyson Fury. My whole point is this. This was the crime. When Deontay Wilder brought up why he deserved a rematch or the trilogy, Ladies and gentlemen, he blamed his costume. I'm going to say this again. A former heavyweight champion of the world blamed his costume. Ain't nobody asked you to wear that costume, which was about 40 pounds according to Wilder, but that's what he wore. Okay, we get over that fight. He's pushing, prodding, insisting that ultimately Tyson Fury gives him a trilogy, the third fight. Takes him to court, sue him. I was adamant Deontay Wilder should not fight Tyson Fury until Tyson Fury goes after, this, after the second fight, the win by Fury in the second fight. Don't fight him. Let him fight Anthony Joshua, a fellow Brit, and you get the winner. That's what should have happened. But that's not what happened. And because that's not what happened, okay, Deontay Wilder won in court, and ultimately he had to fight Fury a third time. And if you remember, during a press conference, Tyson Fury basically said, look, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and it's going to work because he's too stubborn to change his ways. And 
Sure enough, what did Tyson Fury say? I'm going to swing. I'm going to outbox him. I'm going to punch him. Even when I miss, I'm going to lean on him. And by the time the first few rounds pass, he's not going to have any legs. I'm going to come in the pound as close to 300 pounds as I can get. And I'm just going to wear him down. And, and Deontay Wilder played right into his hands because Deontay Wilder had never come into a fight having weight. He usually walks around at 212, maybe he go up to 219, 220. That trilogy, he went into the ring against Tyson Fury at 231. Yes, Tyson Fury got heavier, but so did Deontay Wilder. And because of it, he was target practice. Yes, after being dropped in the third of the trilogy, he ultimately dropped Tyson Fury in the fourth, not once, but twice. But then he got dropped in the seventh again. And then after that, he got put to sleep in the 11th. And now here he is talking about Tyson Fury. And what are the quotes? I didn't even watch the fight. I had a lot of people calling me about it, Deontay Wilder said, especially when he got dropped. After the fight, a lot of people were figuring out what was going on. Maybe he did cheat. Maybe he did have something in his gloves. All these things are coming up now. Everybody's saying he lost. Respectfully, my brother, Deontay Wilder, that has absolutely positively nothing to do with you. It doesn't negate the fact that he knocked you out. Now, let me be very, very clear. I am in no way being disrespectful of my man, Deontay Wilder, who I love. What I'm saying is, is that it's not about disrespect. Not from not from this end. It's about excuses. They got trainers in the room. They got folks, referees, officials in the room. When you're getting your fist taped up and all of that stuff, they test you after fights and stuff like that. The bottom line is, is that when you got dropped and Tyson Fury came over to you while sitting on your bench on your stool. And he was like, I still respect you. I still respect you. And Tyson and Deontay Wilder was like, no love, no love. I got no love for you or whatever. You came across as a sore loser. I'm not talking about what you are because I would never disrespect Deontay Wilder. I'm talking about how he looked. If you felt that he was cheating, why get back in the ring with him after you split decision the first time? Why get back to the ring with him two more times? And if you're going to get back in the ring with him two more times, why not have extra people watching his gloves? If you had taken off your shades and your headphones, you might have been able to watch and pay attention to him, too. So you could have made sure he wasn't cheating. But if you don't have that evidence, why are we speculating? Here's the reality of the situation. Deontay Wilder should have never gotten into the ring with Tyson Fury a third time. Well, think about it. Only in the heavyweight division do we do this. We don't do this in any other division, especially not light heavyweight, super middleweight, middleweight, junior welterweight or junior middleweight, um, welterweight, etc. You got to meet a certain weight. Why in the hell is Deontay Wilder getting in the ring with Tyson Fury, who is 38 to 42 pounds heavier? No other weight class does that. Why would you do that as a heavyweight? So I'm saying all of that to say, listen, I'm a fan of Deontay Wilder. I really am. Got nuclear knockout power. He's the real deal. But all I'm saying is, in the end, what the hell are you doing getting in the ring with a dude? 30, I mean, you get a street fight with anybody. 
But in a boxing ring where it's about putting on the gloves and that's all you got available to you. Can't lose your knees, can't use your elbows, can't use your feet, can't use any of that. It's just you and him, mano a mano with fists, gloved fist. Why would you get in the ring with somebody 38 to 40 pounds heavier than you? That to me didn't make any sense. And I believe personally that it's drastic. I'm not saying Deontay Wilder can't overcome it, but I think it drastically drastically jeopardized his career because it softened him because he was taking a lot of punishment from a bigger dude. And that's the problem. You can't go into the ring against Tyson Fury who walks around 60 to 70 pounds heavier than you. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And that, to me, is where Deontay Wilder made his mistake. But even though, I mean, still mad respect and courage, because think about what you could do to other people if you knocked out, if you dropped a dude, rather, that was 60 to 70 pounds heavier than you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm talking about walking around that way. I know for the fight, he came in 38, came into the ring 38 pounds heavier. But why would you do that? Because in boxing, attrition kicks in. And if you take enough punishment and you absorb enough punishment, the problem with that is that ultimately it's very, very difficult to you to recover from that. And that's where I find myself worried about Deontay Wilder like right now. Go back and look at them before the fight, the face-off, in the ring, right before the bell rings, and the referee is telling them to touch gloves or whatever. Tyson Fury is looking in his face. Bitch. Bitch. Because he was pissed off that legally you made him do this fight. But that's the way it goes. We got to accept losses. The only person that don't need to be making excuses. I mean, I, 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 I shouldn't say that. Nobody should be making excuses. Stuff happens. And you just got to tell it like it is and just let it go. But don't hide from the truth. Tyson Fury outclassed Deontay Wilder that third fight, period. Period. It's not the end of the day. It's not the end of the world, but it happened. It happened. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Your questions and a little politics coming up next. So stick around. Don't touch that dial. Stephen A. Smith here. I'm not going anywhere. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Before I get to the calls or to the uh, text messages sent via social media and stuff like that, because um, remember, once I'm moving to my new studios, I will be taking live callers. Literally live callers calling right in. Think about it. If you were calling into a radio show. Yeah, that's how my podcast is going to be. That's how my show is going to be. I'm not running. I'm not scared. OK, so I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, before I get to the to the messages y'all sent, uh, because that's what I have to do for now. Um, I just want to say congratulations to Sherelle Parker. Uh, the new mayor of the city of Philadelphia, one of the top five markets in the United States of America. She is a Democrat. 
She'll be the 100th mayor of the city and the first woman to hold the office. Um, she defeated Republican David O, a former city councilman in the general election by a vote of by a count of 73.8 percent of the vote to 25.3 percent. OK, she promised to make Philadelphia the safest, cleanest, greenest big city in the nation that provides access to economic opportunity for all. And she said, we are going to have one Philly, a united city. That is what uh, Mayor Elect Parker had to say. From what I'm told about her, she's really, really big on focusing on crime, focusing on crime, alleviating crime and what have you. And I applaud her for that because I think every Democrat needs to recognize that. It's not to say that they don't care or anything like that. I'm, not, I'm in no position to say such a thing, but you got to be a hawk on crime. Because if people are loose in the streets doing what the hell they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, victimizing other people, and there are no repercussions, no ramifications, guess what? It's going to compromise business. And if you can't do business, you're not generating revenue. If you're not generating revenue, we all suffer. And that's the point that we have to recognize. We have to learn. We have to be fixated on recognizing and understanding. It's just that simple. And so to me, whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, I'm not trying to mimic Donald Trump by any stretch of the imagination with his crazy self. But I will say this. He's right about there must be order. There must be order. You got to have law and order in the streets of America. Without it, it's chaos. And with chaos, nothing thrives. Absolutely, positively, nothing thrives with chaos. So I just wanted to make sure I congratulated her. Um, and according to the U.S. Census of 1,616 mayors or officials who perform mayoral functions uh, in U.S. cities and towns with populations over 30,000 people, 417 of those, or to be specific, 25.8% were women. So women just climbing the charts. Pay attention. Pay attention. Before I get on out of here for the day, um, let me go to some of these text messages uh, that people sent. Uh, what is this? At Hunch OJT underscore writes thoughts on Latina women. I love them. I love me a Spanish speaking woman. I really, really, really do. I love it. Now, that ain't all you got to have. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to have it, but I mean, it is a plus. A bilingual women, specifically Spanish, whispering in your ear, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I will acknowledge that. So no shade on the Latina women whatsoever. Let me throw that out there. Let me throw that out there. Uh, at Trez Win, W-I-N-N, writes, most overrated band slash group of your lifetime. I'm not qualified to say that. If you were overrated, I didn't listen to you much. And I didn't listen to you extensively enough to say which is which. I can tell you my favorite artist of all time, Michael Jackson. I can tell you Prince wasn't far behind. I can tell you that I think Bruno Mars is the closest thing to the modern day Michael Jackson or Prince there is. Because Bruno Mars is that dude, but Usher's nothing. To, he's no slouch. And I'm looking forward to seeing him perform Super Bowl week. I can tell you those things, but I can't talk to you about band. I'm not a white boy. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't like, you know, Van Halen and The Who and U2 and, and Coldplay. I mean, I like Coldplay. You know, I like, I like Jump with Van Halen. You know what I mean? I like It's a Beautiful Day by U2. It's a beautiful day. See, you didn't think I knew that, did you? I do like that stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay. 
at Amir, A-M-I-E-R, 770-52218. Isn't harder to date now than back in the day? Or is it harder to date now than back in the day? Well, I would say this. I think it's harder for women. I really do. Men, we outnumber y'all like 17 to 1. And that's not taking into account the gay and the incarcerated population. The number's even bigger once you take that into account. So men have a lot more options than women. And not only that, you're a woman, you got to protect yourself and guard yourself because you've got some salacious men out there that's just after one thing with the dogs they are at times, which is just disgusting and terrible. It's not good. Okay? You should be thoughtful and sincere. You take a woman out of the date, in all seriousness, all joking aside, let me not joke about this. When you take a woman out of the date, if you're one of the fellas, how you treat a woman matters. Open the, open the door. You know what I'm saying? Remember, remember Big Daddy Kane? You, this is for the lover in you. you want, do I need to break that down to you? The opening verse, he used to do that principle. Dun, 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 And that was the name, that was the music. And these are the lyrics. He said, take it from a man who does it real smooth. Or that yo baby, yo baby, it's not the move. This was in the 80s. You got to treat him with respect, never neglect. Try to protect, most of all, project some intellect. Presenting yourself proper is important if you truly do want to. So be a gentleman and be in a corner. Make her feel like the most. For example, forget good fellas and take her to see ghosts. Wine and dine under candlelight. Make them move right tonight while the stars are bright. Then hop in the hot tub and start to rub her on her back. Yeah, they like that. Satisfaction guaranteed. You got to give the woman what she needs. These days, they don't be falling for no phony Casanova since they started watching Oprah. So even if it's not your style, open the door for them once in a while. Even buying them some flowers don't hurt. Yeah, it sounds old fashioned, but it works. Conversation, good communication only makes things better in a relation. If you keep watching the game every week, you might find out your wife's getting dunked by Dominique. And that could be so upsetting. So try a little tenderness like Otis Redding. Get, put the gangster approach on pause and I dedicate this to you and yours. And then he says, this is for the lover in you. Big Daddy Kane. That's late 80s. One of the smoothest verses I've ever heard. It still applies all of these years later. That's what you do on a date. Whether it's with a woman you trying to get or it's with a woman you have. Notes, fellas. Notes. You can thank me later. Next up. At underscore Guerreros. G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O-S. If aliens were to come down to Earth and we had to send one person to go greet them, who would be your ideal human ambassador? That's the dumbest ass question I've ever heard in my life. I don't have an answer, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Who would I say? Let me say somebody nice, somebody that somebody wouldn't want to kill. Somebody's versatile enough to communicate on all of our behalves. How about Tom Hanks? I mean, damn, if you could do a movie where you're on an island and you go and, and, and you make a movie out of just you and the ball for crying out loud that you were talking to. I mean, what's there to say? Can't doubt him. 
go with Tom Hanks. Ben, his Twitter handle, at CTRL, that's Control Dub. If it's the last meal of your life, what are you having? Well, they don't really go together, but my mama's turkey wings and my sister Carmen's lasagna. That's what I would say. That's it. I have nothing more to give you today. I'm exhausted and I got to travel, so I got to get on out of here. But I will see you after another great weekend of college and pro football, plus some NBA action. And who knows what the hell else is going on? This is the Stephen A. Smith show we talking about. So anything's possible. You never know what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it or whatever the case may be. But the one thing you do know is I'll be around. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.